everyone, Michelle Seidling here with another episode of Food Experience Unplugged. Today we're looking at the importance of food and wellness on addiction recovery. Here to help us do that is Joshua Todd, a habit coach specializing in mental health and addictions. Josh Todd, welcome to Food Experience Unplugged. Hi, thanks for having me. Hey, thanks. Well, it's sure a pleasure to have you, Josh, here as we discuss the relationship between food and wellness and addiction recovery. And you've got a, a rich background with uh, working with addiction recovery and mental health situations. Um, will you, let's just start out with, um, will you just introduce yourself and, and what brought you to this point? Yeah, sure. Uh, right. So my name is Josh. I, uh, I currently live in Kitchener, Ontario, Canada. Um, I grew up in Timmins, Ontario, which is about 10 hours north from here. Um, so it's pretty far north. It gets cold up there. Um, so after graduate, after high school, I went to uh, the University of Guelph, which is uh, another town uh, about 30 minutes from here. So I took, uh, I double majored in psychology and criminal justice. And then after that, I uh, kind of took a break and just tried to decide what to do afterwards. And um, after that, I, I, I took another program called Concurrent Disorders. So for anybody who's not aware, a concurrent disorder is when somebody has both a mental illness and an addiction at the same time, mm, um, okay. which they usually coincide. Usually, uh, they, they say between 20 and 80% of individuals who have an addiction have a mental illness. So that's a huge gap, right? So it's, <laughs> it's safe to assume that uh, somebody with an addiction has a mental illness. So that's why... They, they go hand in hand a lot of times. And then, um, so my first job in the field was at a residential facility for people who are just coming out of prison. Um, okay. So it was a treatment center for uh, addictions and mental illness. And then, um, yeah, so I worked there for about a year and a half. And then I've also worked at a private rehab facility. I've worked as a community mental health worker. So going out into the community, where people are, are living. So I would literally go to their homes and and uh, work with them in their environment. And that's pretty much what I'm doing now as well. Uh, I support individuals who are um, of low income and who are suffering from a concurrent disorder. Uh, and I've also just recently, about six months ago, seven months ago, started doing uh, habit coaching on the side. Okay, excellent. So you're um, you mainly focus on community health, community mental health, that that yeah, aspect yeah. of it. Okay, yeah. okay. Wow, that that's super important, especially in light of you know just so much going on in the world and just different responsibilities and and so forth. Yeah, absolutely. Like uh, especially now, there's a, at least in Canada, it's probably the same in in the U.S. I would imagine, but uh, since the pandemic hit there's been a very large number of overdoses it's been going on for quite a while but uh, the pandemic has had uh, a pretty a pretty huge effect on that as well so we're seeing a lot of um, a lot of overdoses and people who suffer from mental illness their symptoms kind of being exacerbated by the the stress of everything going on right now mm, interesting so yes yeah. just to see how that you know, I mean, stress affects everyone differently, but just how that affects, you know, that that type of situation or, or exacerbates it, I suppose. Yeah, there's there's definitely a lot happening behind the scenes that uh, a lot of people might not be too familiar with, right? Uh, um, the the individuals I work with, a lot of them are, are very vulnerable and they're they're low income, and 
um, they're, they're in situations where a lot of people don't necessarily uh, interact with, with them. Um, so they might not be aware of what's going on in, in those, those lives. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. It's a, it's a challenge. Yeah, definitely. So, wow. What's your, um, what's the best part of your work? What, what really drives you and motivates you in, in your work? A, a big part of the reason I, I, I went into this field is because I, I I'm fascinated by, by, uh, human behavior. Um, I, I love that aspect of it, of learning about people. And, um, I also have a huge interest in how the legal system interacts with everyday everyday lives, right? And, and unfortunately, a lot of a lot of times, individuals who have an addiction or mental illness at the same time they 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 run into the law, right? So um, a lot of times, those two things interact, and um, yeah. So I think the biggest satisfaction I get, uh, I guess, is from just helping people because a lot of times these folks don't have anybody else, and um, so. It's it's nice to know that I'm having an impact on them, or at least I think I'm having an impact on them. It's not always uh, verbalized by people. Uh, it's not. I wouldn't say it's a thankless job, but you definitely don't always see the the progress that you're making. Right, a lot of times you're working with folks for um, a, a very long time, so sometimes it's difficult to see a, a progression or a improvement in people's lives. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, that's a that's a challenging part of it, but uh, yeah, I just enjoy being able to help people. Okay. And do you typically work with other, um, other medical professionals as well? Uh, you know, like social workers or other, other different, um, different aspects of the situation? A team I was with previous to what I'm working with right now is called an ACT, ACT team. So ACT stands for Assertive Community Treatment. So what that means is um, there's multiple different professions on the team who help folks uh, that we support. So we have uh, nurses, occupational therapists, rec therapists, social workers. Um, and we also interact a lot with uh, psychiatrists. Um, so right now, the team I'm working on uh, with, they don't necessarily have access to those uh, those services. So I try to um, navigate the system and help my folks interact with the medical profession as well. Um, so yeah, I, I interact a lot with doctors and nurses and social workers. Okay. That's wonderful. So you're kind of are you are you kind of the the first first line of defense, so to speak, the first one that they come in contact with? Yeah, the folks that are on my team. So um, we we have a we have a lot of people on our caseload, and they're kind of divided between a certain number of staff on my team, and we're all responsible for a certain number of of clientele. So yeah, like the the, the folks on my client list, I'm typically the first point of contact. Okay. That's yeah. awesome that you can kind of be able to, to relate and, uh, you know, address whatever, whatever services that they need or whatever coaching, coaching they need. That's fantastic. I love that. So now you are, you also classify yourself as a habit coach. So now can you tell us, talk to us about what is the difference between a habit and an addiction? Yeah, that's interesting, right? Because a lot of people, we kind of have this one definition for addiction and a, a definition for a habit. Um, I think most people see addiction, at, well, at least in the medical community, addiction is defined as a disease. Um, okay. And it's often treated as a disease. But um, I, I really disagree with that. I don't think it's a disease. I think at, at its core, it's very much 
a set of habits that people have developed over time. Um, I think, I think um, people's reliance on the definition of addiction as a disease is because it has physiological consequences to the person, right? Okay. Um, because it affects our brains, it affects our bodies. Um, so it very much, I guess, presents as a disease. But uh, at, at its core, I think it, it um, at its core, I think that those physical issues are symptoms of the addiction itself, not, not uh, directly um, related to it. Do you know what I mean? Uh, I think so. Is there more? So, so a habit is what, and then an addiction is right. is what. <laughs> right. so, uh, okay. So, uh, an addiction. So, a habit I would define as a set of behaviors, or a behavior that people have developed over time that are that is continuous, right? So, it's uh, repeated over over a certain period of time, um, almost to the point of it being unconscious so the the what i mean by that is um the the feelings of of desire that to do that behavior is okay. unconscious right so it can pop into your head uh without without even noticing what drives that person to do that behavior right and okay. i think that applies to addiction as well um so if if we take um the habit of um of exercise a lot of the behaviors that come with the habit of exercising mimic the same uh, behaviors as an addiction. Mm, interesting. So, okay, if I go to the gym, I go to the gym regularly. Yeah. And so do I have a habit or do I have an addiction? At what point would it become an addiction? Yeah, that's a good question. So the way I would differentiate between, I guess, a, a habit and addiction is it's negative consequences on on somebody so if let's say you go to the gym an hour a day five days a week um i would classify that as a healthy habit but if it gets to the point where you're obsessing over fitness and nutrition and looking a certain way that it it uh takes over your entire life like if it's affecting your relationships if it's affecting uh, your job um your health even, right? Because exercising too much can have uh, a detrimental effect on your body. I think then we would classify it as an addiction um, mm -hmm. once it starts to develop into the uh, negative consequences. Okay. So it's just the, the negative aspect of it and how, how it affects your life that, that makes it such. I would say so, yeah. Okay. Interesting. So the... Um, so you mentioned, you know, with addictions, it's con consuming your life. So how does that, how does that affect somebody's in terms of goal setting or in terms of, you know, your, your normal course of life? How does addiction do that? Yes. Yeah. It's uh, like I said, so when, when people are experiencing an, an addiction, it's, it's all consuming. That's all they can think of um, the, their entire life is built around that, that behavior or substance. Um, so when it comes to spending money, all they can, the only thing that they can rationally spend money on is that, that behavior or that substance. Um, uh, a lot of things that other people, other normal, I say normal loosely, but folks who don't suffer from an addiction, um, might prioritize in their, in their day to day mm -hmm. that just falls to the wayside with 
individuals who are suffering from an addiction. So whether that's their, their health or finances, um, relationships, um, all of that just, it, it becomes less important than the addiction itself. Okay. So, so the addiction becomes the priority in their Absolutely. lives, yeah. essentially. Okay. I remember, wow. uh, hearing a story, a, a client of mine shared a story where, uh, she, she was in prison at the time and she was going for her sentencing. And um, all she can think of was the line of, of fentanyl that was waiting for her at her jail cell to the point where her lawyer was gonna be, would be able to reduce her sentencing by a year and a half. But she just, all she wanted was to get out of there so that she can go back to her jail cell to consume those drugs. And unfortunately it cost her another year and a half in prison. And so, that just it just showed me like how much that addiction took over her mind right so mm. a year and a half of her freedom was lost because of that one line of drugs that she was waiting for at the in her jail cell so i think i think that is a that's a good demonstration of how much an addiction can be all consuming right it just everything else is is um, is not as important as as the drug or the the behavior now, is it mainly um, with addictions? Uh, do you mainly focus on drugs and alcohol, or are there other addictions that you uh, address? My role as an addiction counselor, it's drugs or alcohol. But as a habit coach, um, I can basically work with any habit that an indiv individual wants to to get rid of or, or work on, right? So that could be alcohol or drugs or cigarettes. Uh, it could be internet use or cell phone use. Um, I've worked on I've worked with individuals who have uh, a habit of going on to um, porn sites or chat sites, things like that. So basically any, any uh, behavioral addiction or habit I can help folks work on. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. So now moving into the, the food and wellness aspect of it, how does, how does food and wellness contribute to addiction recovery or to mental health um, can you talk about that a little bit? A lot of times things aren't prioritized as much as they should be. One of those being their physical wellness, right? And that mm -hmm. that involves food and um, and exercise and things things of that nature. So one thing I one of the things I definitely notice the most in folks who are suffering from an addiction is that their their nutrition just uh, gets completely disregarded, right? Uh, whether that's because they're spending all their money on, on, on their addiction and they don't have enough money to spend on food, um, or they're just not hungry because that, that is potentially a side effect of whatever addiction they're, they're suffering from. Um, I think nutrition and food in general can be a very good uh, method of helping somebody recover, right? Because you're learning a lot of different things when it comes to nutrition that, uh, people might have lost along the way if they're suffering from addiction. So um, one of the symptoms of having an addiction is not being able to um, delay gratification, right? They need things right away. And one of the things that comes along with cooking a meal is practicing patience. And, you know, it takes time to prepare a meal and go shop for the ingredients and things like that. So I think um, building in a, those life skills of cooking and preparing a meal can really help somebody in recovery to learn those life skills that would help them uh, along the way with within their recovery. 
Interesting. So do you have, um, are there any examples of, of people as you've worked with them who have, who have implemented that into their, uh, into their recovery process? Yeah, absolutely. Um, a lot of folks, once they're in recovery, they tend to focus a lot on their food. So I, I definitely noticed that uh, once they've kicked their, their habit or addiction, one of the side effects is uh, replacing their substance or behavior with food. Um, so that's a lot of times that involves eating too much and eating too much unhealthy stuff, unhealthy food. And so one of the things I try to implement my, myself and, um, my colleagues try to help teach them is proper reading of, of labels, how to find affordable food that is nutritious, how to build a schedule around preparing food, um, all that type of stuff. So, um, food actually has a huge food and nutrition actually has a huge part in people's recovery because either they, they never learned the skills involved in, mm-hmm. in uh, shopping for food or preparing food, or they just, they don't have the skills to make it right. Um, so food and nutrition actually have a huge impact on somebody's recovery because they're, they're having to, most cases they're having to learn a whole, whole new skill that they never learned before. Excellent. That's that's fantastic that they're really just turning their focus to something positive instead of yeah. focused on their addiction. Yeah, it's really it's really cool to see actually because a lot of times people's the, the folks I work with a lot of times their their biggest interest is food. Um, what like I said before, a, a lot of times once they they cut their habit or addiction, they tend to gravitate towards too much food. Whether that's because they have cravings and they need to to substitute it for something, you know, like, uh, people who, who quit smoking a lot of times, uh, gain a lot of weight after quitting smoking. Well, that's because a lot of times they're, they're eating food to substitute those cravings. Um, but, um, yeah, I've, I've, I've definitely seen a lot of people who, um, once they've are in recovery, they, they go to food and it's become a, a hobby of theirs and a passion of theirs. I'm thinking of one person in particular that I, I helped, uh, she was homeless for, about 20 years and she suffered from addiction. We finally got her housed into an apartment and she eventually helped, um, she eventually kicked her habit. Um, and she just gravitated towards food every day. She would try a new recipe. She would look online for recipes. She was thinking about taking cooking classes. Like it just, the food and nutrition just totally consumed her afterwards. Like it, it became a healthy coping strategy for her. Um, I think it can be very useful for people who suffer from mental illness as well. Um, because if somebody's suffering from depression or anxiety, um, one of the best things that you can do is practice, um, forms of mindfulness, right? Because a lot of our distressing thoughts come from thinking about the past and the future. Um, and I, and one of the qualities of cooking is being mindful of the, of the present, right? You're, you're there in the kitchen, you're focusing on chopping and cutting and, and sauteing or baking. Your mind is literally focused on what's happening in the moment. So I think that cooking can be very therapeutic for people who suffer from mental illness or, or addiction um, because those, the qualities of cooking and nutrition in general, um, I think, can have a positive impact on somebody's mental, mental wellness. What skills as they're going, as they're learning about cooking mealtime, what yeah. skills are they developing? Do you think that that is helping them in the recovery process? Okay. Preparing those meals and reading labels and cooking nutritious food. That's teaching them a lot of things like patience, 
um, uh, new hobbies, like learning that there you can have an enjoyable time doing something that doesn't involve substances or uh, addictive behavior, I think is very important because a lot of people when there's the thought of quitting a substance or a behavior is often very frightening for people because they can't imagine uh, finding pleasure in things that doesn't involve their addiction, right? Mm -hmm. So showing people that, you know, cooking can be fun and enjoyable. You don't need to have, you know, a glass of wine or, 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 or be high while you're doing it. You can simply enjoy that process. Um, I think is very important, right? Um, so yeah, patience, it's showing them new skills, um, practicing, like I, like I pointed out before, that the idea of mindfulness and being present in the moment, I think that's a very important thing and very big part of uh, how nutrition and cooking can be beneficial to people. Absolutely. So yes, mindfulness is, is helpful regardless of your situation, but especially in these types of situations, people can, sounds like people really latch onto it and that's fantastic. Yeah. And I think, I think the word mindfulness kind of frightens some people. Uh, I, I know I've definitely uh, encouraged some of my folks to, to practice mindfulness and try mindfulness out. And I think a lot of people have this image of, you know, this old white dude cross-legged on a carpet chanting over and over again. But that's, that's not necessarily what mindfulness is, right? Mindfulness is about being present in the moment, being aware of your surroundings, and kind of learning to let go of those thoughts that might be troubling you. Um, and so I think cooking is a perfect example of how you can practice mindfulness without it having to be meditative, right? Um, or, or having those those negative connotations that some people might have of, of mindfulness. It doesn't have to be, you know, sitting in a dark room and just being in a quiet place. It can be, you can implement mindfulness in everything that you're doing. Um, mm, okay. And I think cooking offers a very good um, opportunity to practice that. Sure. Absolutely. Now, do with regard to the, the cooking and introducing them to those things, is that what, do you personally work with them doing that? Yeah, I can. I also have, um, yeah, I, on the team I'm working on right now, with right now, we, we have a, a role, it's called the life skills worker. And the life skills worker generally work on, on things like that, right? So whether that's learning to properly care for your apartment or, um, you know, going grocery shopping or, or cooking. So they would normally be the ones that are helping people do that. But I definitely... I have worked with folks where I've gone to the grocery store with them, taught them how to read labels and purchase food that are affordable, but nutritious as well. And then going through the process of learning how the kitchen works, right? Um, a lot of, it's, it's shocking mm -hmm. how many people don't know how to use a stove, right? Um, so just the very basics you have, I sometimes have to teach people how to, how to work around their kitchen. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a challenge, but it's a, a huge part of uh, implementing a well-rounded um, recovery process for people. Sure, absolutely, and just even just turning their attention to those to those basic skills. I love how they're they're refocusing, redirecting their efforts. And now, how do you feel that um, with as they're gaining these skills, as they're gaining does that help them in other aspects of their their recovery? As I would imagine, re recovery is probably a, a multi-pronged uh, process. 
Oh yeah, yeah. More and more uh, addictions and and unhealthy habits can, like I said, be all consuming and affect a, a person's entire entire life, right? So, um, yeah, cooking and nutrition can definitely transcend into other areas of life. So whether that's financial relationships, um, health in general, right? Um, if they're if they're learning how to cook and shop properly, they're learning how to care for themselves, and I think that's one of the biggest things that. Uh, nutrition and cooking can offer somebody who suffers from an addiction or, or mental or mental illness is, uh, you know, learning that you can take care of yourself because a lot of these individuals, unfortunately, they feel like they're, they're defined by their addiction or, or unhealthy habit. And so uh, teaching them that, you know, you can take care of yourself and, and um, have pride in what you're doing. I think that that just transcends into all facets of life. If you're, if you're taking care of yourself and, finding pride in, in what you're doing, then I think it just, it'll come out in all areas of life. Mm, yeah. Interesting. I love that because they're more, they're, is it that they're more apt to learn additional skills, whether it be with food and wellness or with other, other topics? I think so. Um, I definitely noticed that um, folks who are in re recovery want to learn as much as possible. Right. And nutrition is, is definitely one part of it, but also learning how to take care of their apartment or, um, um, or their finances or relationships. Uh, a lot of times, unfortunately, when we have an addiction or a really bad habit, it usually affects our social life as well. Right. So, um, food can definitely bring people together. And so, <laughs> uh, so learning how to cook for, for a loved one or, or something like that can definitely help reignite those relationships um food it food and nutrition just it it affects everything i think and can help people improve other areas of their lives not just their physical well-being absolutely because that's um so you because you mentioned the the connection between addiction and mental health so i would imagine as they overcome their addiction their mental health uh, improves as well as, as their physical or, or other aspects of their health. Yeah. Um, um, with mental illness, uh, a very common theme I see is lack of motivation to do things. Not, 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 uh, not at their fault at all. It's definitely the mental illness itself. A mm -hmm. symptom of most mental illness is lack of motivation and inability to care for oneself in severe cases. Right. Um, and so I, I think that once people find the motivation or, or have that motivation to, to do something else or to learn a new skill, it, it, it definitely helps, uh, helps them in their recovery, right? Uh, I, think, I think way too many people rely on medication these days. I think we overprescribe individuals with, with medication. Um, I think that we need to focus more on out, outside sources of happiness and joy. I think that uh, we need to encourage people to, you know, socialize more, exercise more, eat properly before we, we jump to prescribing uh, a medication. Um, so I think that if people can uh, kind of cling to the idea that, you know, I can take care of myself and, and, and be happy in the kitchen, that'll transcend into other pla other places, right? I might be willing to try exercise or or find a new hobby or go out and socialize more. And I think those things are more natural ways of finding happiness and 
contributing to somebody's overall mental wellness versus just medication alone, right? Mm. Uh, so I think it's it's important. Absolutely. So do you find that some um, clients that you work with, uh, do they not need medication that those other aspects of the, the recovery um, and the, the health help them that they, that they don't need uh, medication as, as one of those approaches? I wouldn't say that. Um, a lot of the folks I work with have very severe mental illness. So I'm talking about people who live with schizophrenia or live with bipolar disorder, uh, very severe mood disorders like that. Um, they absolutely do need medication um, to help with their, their, their symptoms. But I'm talking more of things like uh, people who are diagnosed with um, anxiety and depression, things, that, things like that that, can, that are very much brought on by our environment, I think can be very much mitigated by taking care of yourself and socializing and exercise, things like that. Um, those have a very big role in helping to relieve some of those symptoms. But when we're talking about very severe mental illness, like like schizophrenia or bipolar disorder, then yeah, medication is absolutely necessary. Okay. And so it yeah, the way I see it is medication, it doesn't, it's not a panacea, right? It doesn't cure everything. I think the way I see medication when dealing with mental illness is that it provides you with a good foundation to give you some motivation and energy to to in order to take care of yourself, right? So I, I don't think medication alone is a solution. I think it's um, it's it's an ingredient in a long list of ways to take care of yourself. Okay. So depending on the severity of the situation, in milder situations, you could deal, you could not omit the medication and just have different aspects. But in those severe situations, you're most likely doing medication along with some other uh, different recovery aspects. I would say so. Actually, we're seeing a lot more in the States and in Canada, a lot more, some doctors are actually prescribing um, exercise. So So rather than pulling out a a prescription pad and, and, uh, and prescribing them with antidepressants or, or uh, anti-anxiolytics, um, they're prescribing socialization and, and exercise. So it's interesting that in the past we would focus very much on prescribing people medication, but not focus at all on what their social life is like. So um, I think that we're I'm slowly we're slowly seeing a shift in in mentality as far as how to deal with people's depression and anxiety. Um, by focusing more on social aspects and and taking care of yourself rather than just giving a medication. Mm, interesting. That's great. I love that. So it's becoming more holistic, essentially. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And it's good to see, right? Like I said before, if, if you need medication to help uh, with those feelings that you're having or experiencing, then absolutely take it. Um, but I think I would encourage people to look elsewhere as well. So healthy eating, exercise, socializing, things like that, I think can have a huge impact in people's mental wellness. Mm, absolutely. So now are there um, some, what steps um, typically, you know, as people try to overcome their addictions, what, what steps do they go through to, to integrate maybe these recovery processes or, or different things, how, how they're getting from point A to point B, essentially? Yeah. Um, I think that's another scary part that people have when uh, 
they have a negative habit or, or sorry, an unhealthy habit or uh, addiction, they don't really know where to turn, right? And that's really scary because you're thinking about having this very significant transition in your life and you don't really know where to go. Um, but um, depending on, on the addiction or negative habit, there's there's many resources. You just Google any anything, really. Like uh, there's there's coach coaching apps online like Coach Me where there's a variety of different coaches that can help you with whatever it is that you're struggling with. Um, if you're struggling with substance use issues, then there's, there's AA, like Alcoholics Anonymous. That's everywhere, right? In North America, there's Narcotics Anonymous. There's, um, there's even apps that are, that are helping people with their, their addictions, right? Um, mm -hmm. there, there are apps out there that help people cut back on alcohol or quit smoking. Um, so technology is definitely, uh, been a big has has been developing ways to help people overcome those those addictions or habits um i would even also encourage people to ask their employer like if they have benefits um medical benefits a lot of times those cover um ther therapy or or psychotherapy things like that uh, i would encourage them to look out for that um yeah there's loads, tons of resources out there. <laughs> sure, sir, absolutely, and that's that's fantastic and so vital to the process, definitely. Uh, even you know you you specifically work with with a certain demographic, but really addiction can can occur pretty much anywhere to anyone. Is that is that what oh, you're yeah. seeing? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I've worked with folks on both sides of the spectrum as far as um, uh, wealth. Uh, I currently work with folks who are at the bottom end of, uh, of, of the income spectrum, right? Like they're, they're very low income, but at a private rehab I used to work at, I was working with 1% earners, right? I was working with folks who work on um, street in Toronto, which is the equivalent of wall street in, in the States. Um, so I've worked with millionaires. I've worked with, uh, doctors i've worked with lawyers and I, every, addiction affects everybody it doesn't matter what age you are what sex you are how much money you make everybody can be affected by it uh, and i've i've definitely seen it firsthand yeah uh, and but the good news is that recovery is possible and there's so many different resources as you as you mentioned so that's fantastic to really redirect people toward toward a healthier life yeah absolutely so wonderful. Well, Josh, how can people get in contact with you? Yeah, so I uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. So my name is Josh Todd, and I'm the redhead. I'm probably the only redhead <laughs> on LinkedIn, so you can click on that. Uh, if anybody's interested in coaching, personalized coaching for, for negative habits, uh, I'm at CoachMe. So the URL is www.coach.me forward slash jtodd100. Um, I also have a website where I post blogs and you can also find ways of hiring me if anybody's interested. Uh, it's www.healthy-habits.ca. Um, I'm hoping you can put that in the description in case anybody, uh, <laughs> anybody missed it, but, uh, yeah, yes. those are the ways to get it. Yes, absolutely. We'll, we'll include all that information in the show notes so people can, can look you up for more information. And it's really been a pleasure, Josh. I really appreciate all the work that you're doing with, with so many people to help them to turn, turn their life around, move away from addictions, and, and really focus on their health. 
yeah, thanks for having me. It was uh, it was fun. <laughs> I don't normally uh, talk about the the food and nutrition aspect of recovery, but I think it's very important that we do to do to talk about it because uh, I definitely see the impact that it has on on the people I work with. Absolutely, and I, we are grateful for for this conversation. So so important. Thanks, Josh. Yeah. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to hit the like button and subscribe to be notified as new episodes become available. You can also visit our website at foodexperienceunplugged.com to check out some free resources on helping you develop healthy eating habits for life success. Mm-hmm.